And I don't actually know if it's starting now, but we're going to assume the recording has started. Hello, everyone. This is uh, Bruno, or Cards Cards, or whatever you know me as, uh, for Birds on the Black. And this is an unnamed podcast, because, you know, we don't think about that sort of thing here. So, for for right now, it's the Birds on the Black podcast. How's that? Uh, I am joined by Preston Crowder. Some of you know him on Twitter as at uh, 98PC. And, uh, first of all, Preston, welcome. I'm sorry because it took me a long time to get this ready, not even just tonight, because I had to change software and all that, but also uh, we agreed to this many months ago, and and life would not let me do this many months ago. So uh, (laughs) thanks for being patient. Uh, I wasn't running away from you, obviously. Here we are. Uh, But uh, second thing I need you to know is that I'm I'm uh, in my underwear, so sorry if that makes you uncomfortable, but (laughs) yeah, that's something for you to, to think about. Um, and uh, basically, uh, we are recording, and uh, unless something absolutely terrible that we can't let the public hear uh, goes on, uh, it's not going to be edited because I don't like to screw with that stuff. So just an FYI for you. Uh, but go ahead, Preston, nope. uh, and you'll have to speak clearly because this is crappy recording software. But go uh, ahead and tell people who you are, what you're doing here, in case they don't know who you are. Uh, well, I'm Preston Crowder. I'm 19 years old. Um, I've been a Cardinal fan my whole life. Um, eventually, I, I, actually, I play college basketball. I'm in college right now. I, I play college basketball at a small university in Arkansas. And um, But yeah, really the reason why we're doing this is because I uh, defend Mike Matheny a lot on Twitter. Uh, I don't think he deserves a lot of the criticism he, he gets, and I just uh, defend him most of the time. So that's the idea. I, I would say there I don't know of anyone on Twitter that I know of um, that defends Matheny more than you do. Uh, yeah. there, are, there are people, I'm sure, that defend him more, but they're not as active on Twitter uh, when they're right. doing it. Uh, what, yeah. what called you to my attention uh, is you had a formerly pinned tweet. Now, it's not your currently pinned tweet, but yeah. we're going to assume that you still agree with what you said, and I just want to read it to people because it was it was August 3rd, and you, uh, you seemed ready to go off here so i actually can you tell me what led up to this tweet storm what happened on august 3rd that made you go that's it i've got to die on the altar of mike matheny yeah Uh, i'm not really sure i mean why i put that out i mean probably it was probably i don't know there might have been a game the night before where he might have made some moves that people disagreed with and they were going off on him on twitter and i probably just got just got tired of hearing it and just decided to make a thread you know kind of to defend him but that's probably what happened the thread goes on forever. I, I don't know if I can read all of this, um, but to so you can hear it out there. Matheny haters, colon. So this is to all of you Matheny haters. I am obviously not going to change your mind, and you aren't going to change mine, but here are the facts. Fact. Mike Matheny has the highest win percentage of any current Major League manager in the MLB at 560. Remember, this is August 3rd, so that number is different now. Fact. Mike Matheny is the 21st overall best <coughs> win percentage for managers in the history of MLB. Fact, Mike Matheny in his five-plus years of managing has put his teams in the playoffs four times. Fact, Mike Matheny has won a National League championship. Fact, in Mike Matheny's first season, he took a team that lost its best position player and its best pitcher to within one win of the World Series. Fact, in 2013, Matheny took a team to the World Series that had Pete Cosma as its starting shortstop. Fact, in 2015, Matheny lost his best pitcher and numerous position players and still won 100 games and the NL Central. Fact, Connie Mack first won the World Series in his 13th season as manager. This is, these, are, these two are my favorites here. Fact, John McGraw didn't win a World Series in his first six seasons as manager. 
facts. Tony La Russa didn't win a, the World Series in his first six seasons as manager. And it goes on with facts like this for managers for Bobby Cox, Joe Torre, Joe McCarthy, Casey Stangle, Gene Mock, Bruce Bochy, Dusty Baker, Jim Leland, Buck Walter, Whitey Herzog, Joe Madden, uh, so on and so forth, saying that all these managers were did not get one in their first six years, essentially. Sometimes there are other facts, such as they didn't get one at all. Uh, right. Fact, if your argument is that Mike Matheny hasn't won a World Series in a short time as manager, look at the all-time greats that hadn't either. Fact, you may disagree with his decisions and feel he's an idiot, but that's your opinion. You can't change the facts. Uh, fact, most of you's lineup for the 2011 Cardinals. It shows that versus 2015. The purpose of that, I believe, was to, to show how different the team has been in four years. I, right, yeah, um, yeah, the different it was. Yep, facts. The 2011 team won 90 games and finished second in the division. Matheny's 2015 team only had two starters remaining from that team. Facts. Matheny's 2015 team had virtually nothing to do with Larusa building the team up. Facts. Jed Jerko had the highest OPS of his career and most home runs he's ever had in his first year under Matheny and Mabry. Facts. Jason Hayward had the highest batting average, third highest OPS, most doubles, most hits in his career in his only year with Mike Matheny. And then you challenge Bernie. Bernie, read this speed. Your opinion may be that he's a dumb manager and disagree with a lot of his moves, but you can't change the facts. Right. So do you stand all by that now? Yes, I do. Okay. So let me tell you, I got to tell you that my two favorites there are that your first two managers, uh, Connie Mack uh, and and John McGraw. And, and for example, they both have the same instance, but John McGraw is my favorite. Because it's fact, John McGraw didn't win the World Series in his first six seasons as manager, which is absolutely true because in four of his first six seasons as manager, the World Series didn't exist. So he actually won the World Series in the second possible season he could have right. as, as manager. In fact, uh, you could blame him for not winning it one of the years because the other team hated John McGraw so much they refused to play the World Series in the second year of it when John McGraw's team won the pennant. Uh, so that's a, that's a little 1904 baseball history for you. But – and Connie Mack also uh, was managing in the late 1800s before there was uh, – so I think he won it in, I don't know, his sixth or seventh season or something like that. But um, that, to me, that shows, you know, that's a fact. Uh, in 1894, when also, managing – I'm sorry, go there ahead. Also more, there are also more teams now too, you know, so – Absolutely. It, it, things can be made. It's harder to win now than it was, you know, back then. Yeah, that case can be made because uh, because you have the crapshoot of the, of the playoffs – uh, in some ways, it can be easier, though, because it's so much easier to get into the crapshoot of the playoffs uh, than it was to be one of 16 teams to – or not 16 back then, but one of, say, 12 teams. You've got to finish first in an entire regular season just to, to get to the World Series. Right. So, and, and I really don't – you know, that can go either way. Yeah. Uh, tell me what you think of Mike Matheny as a manager. Um, well, I was watching MLB Network the other day, and someone said – I can't remember who it was. It was – former GM or someone, I can't remember. But they said that there was more to managing than strategical moves, and in fact, up to about 90% of managing, it's just managing the clubhouse, you know, dealing with egos, and, you know, just being, like, a leader that people respect. You know, because, I mean, you got multimillionaires in there, you know, you got to, they got to respect you in order to have a, you know, a successful team. Sure. So, uh, Lots yeah, of so, ego, I imagine, yes. Yeah, so, um, you know, saying that, I, just, I think Matheny has done a really good job, you know, leading the team, leading the clubhouse, um, you know, making people feel like they have a role, their, their role is what they want. Um, and then, I mean, you can, you can say all that and then you can look at his tactical decisions and you have to remember 
when, when you're looking at his tactical decisions and judging them, that one, he has more information than any of us. He's the manager. You know, Tony LaRusso used to tell Ricky Horton, I remember I got a lot more information than you do. So you, you got to remember he has way more information than us. Two, you got to consider the psychological aspects of decisions. Uh, he knows what players take. Last time I checked, no, none of us Cardinals fans personally, most of us at least, personally don't know any of the players, and Mike Matheny does. So I think that when he's making the decision for those players, he probably knows what makes their mind work a certain way better than we do. And then third, um, no matter what anyone says, he wants to win more than any of us. The team is a reflection of what he's doing as the head coach, as the manager, and he wants to win more than any of us. So that's just my take on everything, you know. So that's – that's. Does, is that Mike Matheny specific, do you think, or is that just every manager of all time is going to have more information than the fans do and mm-hmm. so on and so forth? Every manager. Right. So it kind of sounds like what you're saying is we can't question the manager's moves. No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm just, I'm, I'm, you can always question a manager. That's, what, that's part of what makes baseball fun. You know, you can sit, and, sit on the couch and question a manager. And, I mean, I disagree with plenty of Matheny's decisions. You know, like, like Mitchell Boggs, when he pitched him against the Royals in 2013 – that I couldn't stand that decision. Or pitching Waka against the Giants in the playoffs, that was horrible. But I'm saying those two decisions don't just make him a bad manager. I mean, there's, I mean, obviously he's doing something right. I mean, he has the highest win percentage of any current manager in the MLB. So, so I think he's doing something right, you know? I, I mean, that's, that's the win percentage is for a Matheny defender is, is I think, the go-to argument. Uh, and to me, and your, your thread had a lot of this. Your thread had a lot of... Uh, yeah. In fact, in 2015, Matheny lost his best pitcher and numerous position players and still won 100 games in the NL Central. But do you believe Matheny won 100 games? What if Preston Crowder was the manager of the 2015 Cardinals? Do they win zero games? In last place. La- last place. So. Yes. I, don't, I mean, maybe not last place, but they would definitely have not done as, as well as they did. Sure, but so how well, though? How well? I can't say. I mean, I've never been a major league manager. I don't know how good I would have done. But, right. I mean... I heard Casey Stearns. I, you probably hate him. I, I, a lot of Cardinal fans can't stand Casey Stearns. But I heard Casey Stearns say that if he had known the Cardinals were going to have all those injuries that year, he would have picked them third behind the Pirates and Cubs. And Matheny got robbed of manager of the year that year. He should have won it hands down. You look at my uh, Twitter feed from 2015, I was all rooting for Mike Matheny to win manager of the year. Of course, yeah. my rationale behind it is that I'm pretty much always going to root for a Cardinal to win whatever award. And uh, there's yeah. an argument to be made with previous how they award managers of the year that Matheny should have won it. Uh, yeah. But I don't think manager of the year is based upon any sort of tactical skill or anything like that. So I was promoting yeah. the fact that, hey, um, this is essentially a team award and the team did very well. Uh, my thing is, is that if you're going to say that the Cardinals, like you said, originally last place or ho- however they would have done, yeah. it, I'm wondering how much worse the 2015 Cardinals that had historical pitching, what, I mean... They also had really bad hitting, too. Yeah, they, they, yeah, but not historically bad hitting. Yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. But but it it wasn't, was, you're right, it wasn't historically bad. Right, so, I mean, that's, that's a big difference. And the whole point is, you know, you want to score more runs than the other team. The hitting wasn't historically bad, but the pitching was actually historically good that year, um, which is just the ups and downs of baseball. But, you know, like... Matt Carpenter with his 44 doubles and 28 home runs in 2015. Do you think with like Preston Crowder managing, then he would be only an average player? Do you think Mike Matheny is is helping Matt Carpenter hit all of those home runs? Uh, I mean, he he 
his numbers are better lead off than the thing he hits him lead off all the time. So, but he also doesn't hit him lead off all the time, right? He, I mean, he well, him, he's trying. I mean, I, again, he has more information than we. Maybe he talked to Carpenter and he was like, "Hey, Mike, I feel better. I feel comfortable hitting third. You know, I mean, we don't know what what's going on between them. You know. But don't you think he would have told you that same thing too? If you were, uh, I don't know if he did. If he didn't respect me, he might not. I'm a 19 year old kid. He probably wouldn't respect a 19 year old kid. I think he's 40. I mean, he wants to play though, right? I mean, yeah, he wants to play, but I'm saying like, I mean, he's not gonna respect a 19 year old like he does Matheny. You have to earn his respect. That's that's a big part of it. I mean, the manager's making the lineup though. You would think that a player who wanted to play would be uh, advocating whatever they want to whoever the manager is, because it's not like the player can just make the lineup. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, you have a point, but I mean, I'm just saying, yeah, they have to be respected, but. Yeah, yeah I mean, look, and, and there's there's much to be said for uh, the impact or, or many questions around the impact that a, a quote-unquote leader of men will do with managing. Uh, I think you said that someone said 90% the other day. But yeah. so much of what we discuss on Twitter is the tactical, and the tactical is what you're out there defending. I mean, yeah, for the most part. I mean, I, I always think there's, there's a um... – you know, there's a there's, there's a logical reason why Matheny does what he does. I mean, I don't know. Why, why do you think so many people bash him? Like, why do you think so many people just get on him all the time and just can't stand him and just criticize him all the time on Twitter? Well, first of all, um, it's sports. So uh, I, I think that whenever a move doesn't go well and baseball is a game of failure, that there is a certain populace who will say, how dare you pitch Sandy Koufax and, and, and so on and so forth, even though anybody with foresight would pitch Sandy Koufax if they could. Um, second of all, it's Twitter, and Twitter's very easy to bitch about. Uh, but third of all, uh, and I put myself in this category, I have real ahead-of-time disagreements um, based upon the numbers and information that's available to all of us, including Matheny, for a whole lot of what his moves are. An example of it is Kevin Segrist, who we have known for years upon years has had a reverse split, and yet we continuously would see him facing these tough left-handers and getting eaten up by it. Yeah, so really, so I mean, I know this year, this year you, I mean, you and a lot of other people criticize him on how he managed the bullpen. Like, y'all you know, said he couldn't manage the bullpen very well. But I remember an instance in Pittsburgh. It was uh, about early July, middle or middle to late of July, late July, I think. Uh, you might remember the game. Uh, Sungwano was pitching, and he he walked McCutcheon to face Josh Bell. Yeah, and I Josh, it. I you remember it. that? Yep. Okay. Well, so I mean, obviously, a lot of people disagree with that move. I mean, you can make sense of it. I know Ode is awful against lefties, but McCutcheon. I mean, I don't remember the exact situation. I'm kind of foggy on it. But anyways. Uh, that's part of the point, but uh, that was on a Friday. Okay, then we played Saturday. Um, I think we lost. Sunday, uh, he doesn't use O in the ninth inning. He uses Cecil. And Cecil blows the game, and Bernie is all over him saying he should have used Rosenthal in the ninth and Cecil in the eighth. So then what happens? The next week, he uses Rosenthal in the ninth, and he blows the game against the Mets. I mean, he, he couldn't win right there. He used O in the ninth inning one game, Cecil in the ninth inning another game, Rosenthal in the ninth inning in a different game, and they all blow it. I mean, you can't win that way. Well, that's that's a little simplistic, right? It's not just the ninth inning. It's the actual situation. And the right. actual situation that, that O was used in to go in there and face a left-hander uh, uh, was, was just yeah. terrible for O, just terrible for him. And the, the stats bear that out. And it was ahead of time, 
that people like me were saying this is a bad move. Now, the thing about baseball moves is there is always a percentage chance of success and there's always a percentage chance of failure. Mike Myers has gotten major league hitters out. So there's a chance that Mike Myers can close down the seventh game of the World Series. But you want the manager to make the best strategic move that gives the team the best chance. Okay, a 310 hitter is good. A 320 hitter is going to get a hit that slight more percentage chance of time. And if you need a hit, you want the 320 hitter up there. It's it's just that that's also a simplistic way of saying it. But 31 percent of the time, one hitter succeeds. 32 percent of the time, the other hitter succeeds. So it's a very small difference. And most of the time they're going to fail. But when you play it out long enough, the 32 percent works better. Well, um. Two points. One, I would have been facing McCutcheon. And I mean, I know he's horrible against lefties, and he might be worse against lefties than McCutcheon is good. But it's Which still he McCut- was. That was the situation. Yeah, and he, he was. He had been facing McCutcheon, and McCut- we all know McCutcheon's really good, obviously. And um, and then another thing, when he was pitching Cecil, Cecil had a 14 inning uh, scoreless streak going into that game. Even and his stats in the ninth inning have been horrible uh, previously in his career, but he had a 14 inning scoreless streak. Um, going into that game. And then uh, Rosie Rosenthal had also uh, been horrible uh, recently, so that's why he didn't use Rosenthal in the ninth versus Cecil, you know? Yeah, so I remember the Pirate game. I actually remember the stretch. I don't remember the details of the further game. Yep. The Pirate game I thought was terrible managing. I did not criticize him for uh, the Cecil move because Cecil had done very well. What I think yep. is interesting about your statement is that you – defend him using Cecil on the ninth, even though you say previously Cecil had been terrible. Right. Earlier, <laughs> earlier you defended him batting Matt Carpenter third because, hey, we don't know. Uh, no, I mean, I didn't really defend him batting Matt Carpenter third. I mean, I, I, I said, I mean, we don't, we, don't, we don't know with Cecil either. You never, I mean, you're, you're right. We never know. But, I mean, 14 innings, 14 innings is like, I mean, I mean, that's a good, good streak and no one, no one has scored on him. I mean, Rosenthal had been struggling. The bullpen's horrible. There was no one else to put in. I would have gone no with one Cecil. Else. I would have gone with Cecil. I do remember, right. you know, I didn't complain about that. But I don't think that it works uh, as an argument to, if you're going to engage with someone who literally argues against every move, then yeah. that's, that's, I mean, that's pointing to, that's like a best fan St. Louis. I'm sure you know the account type of thing. Definitely. How they sit there and say, here's a racist Cardinals fan, so all Cardinals fans are racist. Yeah, there's going to be a minority right. out there that's going to blame Matheny for every single time a pitcher gives up a hit. But that's not really what happens a lot in Cardinal Nation. Bernie oh, isn't like that. Bernie clearly thinks that Matheny's a bad manager. Oh, yeah. But he's not, he's not one of the crazy lunatics. Uh, the Grantland article that did the... Uh, analysis that showed that Mike Matheny's bullpen managing is worse than a random computer. They didn't set up that article to look at how bad Mike Matheny was. They just judged all bullpen people, and that's how Mike Matheny did. Uh, And you have uh, Will Leach, who's uh, constantly going at it. I mean, he's another non-crazy person who's just observing that Mike doesn't make good moves. It's to the point when people do an analysis on Mike Matheny or just on managers in general that if Mike Matheny isn't last – you should question your analysis because whenever someone comes up with some sort of managing tactical research, he's at the bottom. Well, I mean, again, he has to be doing something or else he wouldn't win the games, right? Well, no, see, but that's, that's not the case because if this is a, if this, if I'm managing the 2015 Cardinals, 
you're right. They don't win 100 games. You're right. The club, the clubhouse is probably in chaos. I hope they would like my humor. Uh, but I'm betting they win 83, 84 games at least. I bet I don't completely sink the team because there's so much talent on the roster. They're going to win in spite of me uh, saying, oh my gosh, let's bet uh, David Friesmore just because I love the guy, although I don't think he was on that team. Um, they're going to win in spite of that. They're going to win in, in spite of me being a complete idiot for uh, how warm-ups go or how pregame stuff goes because I've never seen that sort of thing before. It was too talented of a team. Mike Matheny is supposed to put these players in their best position to win and then the players perform. That doesn't mean they always win and that doesn't mean the moves always work out. But what you hope for is you hope to say, hey, you know, all of the available information that everyone has says that this person should yeah. be playing today. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just I just feel like he should get some credit for 2015. I know you give him some credit, but I mean, a lot of people don't even give him credit for, you know, doing well. Um, and, I mean, again, he, I mean, he has to be doing something right. Like, I know you, you, in 2015, you know, you said we had historical pitching. I mean, this year we went all the way up to the last weekend of the season with a, with a chance to make the playoffs and no middle of the order bat. You can probably agree on this. No middle of the order bat. Bullpen was absolutely horrible. I mean, and we, we won we all the way up until the last weekend of the season with a chance to make the playoffs. I mean, should get, I mean, I think that's a heck of a job of managing, if you ask me. I mean, but, but you're attributing that to the managing. I mean, uh, that, that, that's saying that whatever the team does is based upon how the manager is. Now, you talked about um, uh, Connie Mack earlier. Now, Connie Mack, I, I don't know how good of a manager he was, honestly. I think he's a baseball legend. I'm happy to be there, but it's not like I've ever studied Connie Mack. But th the fact is for Connie Mack is that he had a run of teams in there that won World Series and pennants over and over and over again. Uh, in the early 1910s, then around 1930, they were they actually played the Cardinals and crushed the Cardinals in the World Series. And in between, he had teams that won 36 games, that won 45 games. And it is not that Connie Mack, in between, uh, for an entire decade, forgot how to manage baseball. It's that <laughs> Connie Mack, and then all of a sudden he remembers, and then, oh yeah, he remembers, and his memory coincides with when Jimmy Fox shows up. That's not what happens here. Connie Mack was whatever kind of manager he was, he either added or subtracted wins from his team. That's what he did. He didn't win 99 games one year, which is what your thread states a lot. Uh, Matheny won an ML championship. He won 100 games. Connie Mack was a part of a team that won, oh, right here, 1914, part of a team that won 99 games. 1915, he was part of a team that won 43 games the very next year. So unless there was some sort of brain aneurysm we don't know about, Connie Mack didn't suddenly forget how to manage. It was the talent on his team that drives the record. Now, maybe without Connie Mack, they win 40 games. I mean, I'm just, I mean, you have to give him, some, like, I mean, without a good clubhouse, without good team chemistry, without good attitude, you're not going to get any of that. So Matheny did do something to help that, even despite you, everybody disagreeing with his moves on the field, you know? I mean, I don't know. He, I mean, without a good clubhouse, you know, here, here's another point about the psychological aspect. Dexter Fowler, Everybody complained all year, all year about how he should be in uh, be in the corner outfield spot and Tommy Pham should be in center field. Were you one, were you one of those? Uh, yeah, I supported Tommy Pham playing center. Yeah. Center. Okay. Well, obviously, I mean, I, I said, you know, we, I think 
when we signed Fowler, we probably promised him. We said, hey, you, we want you to be our center fielder. We need a center fielder. We want you to be our center fielder this season. Um, and obviously, probably promised him that for the, throughout the five-year contract. But um, obviously, it was a big deal for him to be moved because Mazelak flew all the way to Las Vegas to talk to him about getting moved to a corner spot. Yep. So obviously, that's a big obviously that's a big thing for him you know to play center field and if you move him to a corner outfield spot in the middle of the season who knows what he's going to be thinking about he could be thinking about he could be pissed off about why he's not playing center field and instead of trying to hit a breaking ball he could be pissed off about that and just strike out every time i mean you know it's a big yeah, that's a big part of it uh yeah so that's possible but the numbers bear out that uh, so for example on baseball reference uh his d war last year the defensive war uh, for Dexter Fowler was negative 1.6, which is atrocious. It's terrible. Now, Tommy Pham has been up and down. He was very good last year. He had a very hard time, I think, adjusting defensively, probably because he couldn't see the freaking ball uh, in his first couple of years. But as far as the Dexter Fowler move goes, this is one of these interesting things about the psychological aspect of baseball players. Um, bad stuff happens not just on the baseball field, but in your personal lives and things like that. And players are going to struggle because of bad things. They're going to have fights with their wife. They're going to uh, have a kid that gets in trouble. And they're going to go into a batting slump and things like that. Right. These are the best of the best. And if anyone, most of the time, most of the time, players that aren't able to mentally perform or, or aren't uh, don't stand up to the pressure – they're weeded out long before they become major league stars like Dexter Fowler became. So yeah. uh, now when it comes to defensive moves midseason, look, left field is different than center field. Exactly. I get it. Yep. So I'm not going to sit there and say uh, it would have been great to suddenly move Dexter Fowler to left field and he would have been good because the, the ball comes off the bat at different angles. He's not familiar with that. I, I can't say how well Dexter Fowler would have all of a sudden performed. I doubt he would have done any worse than he did in center field because he was atrocious out there. But I'm not going to necessarily argue with that. However, this is the same manager that put Matt Adams in left field. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you're talking about Matt Adams. I mean, that's a that's a, that's that's one of my favorite points people make. Um, I, I see that actually as a good managerial move. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. I want you to speak very clearly into the microphone now. I see I see that as a good managerial move because in, at the beginning of the season, they promised Matt Carpenter. They said, Matt, hey, Matt, you're going to play first base, and we're not going to move you around this year, and so you're going to be playing first base coming out of spring training. Matt Adams is tearing the cover off the ball. We, Mike Matheny says, you know, I need to get him. I need to get his bat in the lineup. We're not really hitting right, right now. I need to get his bat in the lineup somehow. So he tries to put him in left field. It didn't work out. He moved him out of there. It was an experiment. That's just not what happened, though, Preston. But, I mean, the Braves, the Braves put him in left field, too. I know, I know. And I actually said okay. that uh, the greatest trick Mike Matheny ever made was making another manager actually think Matt Adams should play left field. Did right, you notice so, Matt so, Adams got DFA'd this year? Right, so, so, so we know more than uh, actual baseball people. And, well, see, uh, that's, what's interesting, though, is that let's, let's say we don't know more. You're just going with authority. Well, that's what they did, so it must be okay. But we no, know we know right. that managers make bad moves. You have to agree with that, right? He tried to get his bat in the lineup somehow without moving Matt Carpenter. Another psychological aspect of the game. Okay. We promised Carpenter to play first base. We don't want to move him. That wasn't an answer. That wasn't an answer to the question. Do you agree that managers make bad moves? Yes. 
then how can it not? How can it poss- How can you possibly say that I would be wrong to say that this is a bad move? Uh, because I mean, I trust two baseball organizations and coaching staffs over us. Okay, so so therefore, you can't question a manager's moves. No, uh, no, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm saying if you look at the fa- if you look at the facts and just back up and take a look at why and just think why might he might he put might he have put Matt Adams in left field that's a logical explanation behind it okay so i'm going to take you through why atlanta might put him in left field and why the cardinals might not put him in is a pretty free no so here's here's how this goes first of all you can listen to spring training stats all you want but uh, most of the time that's going to kill you so matt adams was hitting the ball very well early in spring training against lower tier minor league players good for matt adams okay and i was glad for him to be able to do it but they declared that matt carpenter was going to be first base early in the off season that right. gave the entire off season to start working out matt adams in left field matt adams whose career ops was around 110 meaning he's 10 percent better meaning un- unlike what Matheny thinks his bat does not play on a regular basis it could play against right-handers where it's much better, but it just doesn't play on a regular basis. And took Matt Adams two weeks into spring training and shoved him out in left field. Two weeks into spring training. And they if you remember what was going on in spring training, he got like three balls hit to him all spring. Three lazy fly balls. And that was determined that now Matt Adams is a real live left fielder. And he was a real live left fielder, which, by the way, uh, pushed Tommy Pham to stay in AAA, uh, who ended up being the MVP of the team, and who um, the I thing is wildly overrated because uh, if they would have given him his full chance, and if you look at what he did in his first few days in AAA, he crushed like four home runs in the first few games of the season. So I think Tommy Pham was doing okay, and we shouldn't have trusted AAA stats there. But instead... Pham is the GM decision, though. That's not Matheny. <laughs> No, 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 because GMs discuss this sort of thing with their management. For example, we were all year with the asinine 13 pitchers on the staff all year long. And the reason was, and Mosaliak even said he disagreed with it, but that's what the coaches wanted. They wanted that extra pitcher all year. So that's why that happened. He's trying to do, to give his, his players type of those types of things. But with Matt Adams out in left field, who started in a major league baseball game early on, these were the Cardinals that were one game out of the playoffs the year before. One game out of the playoffs. These were the Cardinals that were supposed to be contending for a playoff spot. And instead of having a proven actual outfielder on their roster, they started Matt Adams, who was atrocious in left field and didn't hit well as a Cardinal. He was a 94 OPS plus, probably because he was trying to adjust to a new position that he was probably actually like freaked out and panicked about and terrible with. And they put him in left field. That's who they chose to put in left field. Now, by the time he got to Atlanta and he had that really great first month in Atlanta, which is what Matt Adams does. He has a really great month, which made everyone freak out wrongly that, that we traded him for nothing, which this DFA shows Matt Adams has very little value. But by the time Matt Adams actually went in left field, which is when Freddie Freeman reappeared, the Braves were long lost out of the division, 
which means they have the room to experiment with things like that and say, is Matt Adams an actual left fielder? Can Freddie Freeman actually play third base? We may be preparing for next year. And that's the massive difference. Okay, We lost by a game the year before. We were in it to the end here. And we do stupid risks like that with Matt Adams going in left field. The Braves can put players anywhere they want because they never stood a chance anyway. Uh, To be fair, one, we were not hitting when we put Matt Adams in left field, if I remember correctly. It was the first week of the season. Still weren't hitting. Okay, uh, so, I mean, remember, like, the, you, you, two, you quoted two, Tony La Russa earlier. Remember Tony La Russa's comments about screaming about the first week of the season. Uh, I also remember when Tony La Russa, I mean, I know Albert Pujols is way better than, than Matt Adams, but he put, I mean, well, no, I'm thinking about when he put Gritchick. Uh, were you one of the ones that, that um, criticized when he put Gritchick in center field when he couldn't throw? Yes. Um, Pujols, okay, did the same thing with Pujols. I know Pujols is a lot better than Gritchick, but relative to our offense in 2015 versus Pujols to our offense in 2003, Gritchick was pretty important to our offense in 2015. And not compared to Albert Pujols. And by the way, Albert Albert could throw. He he had to have a relay man, but Gritchick literally had to toss the ball underhand. Uh, That is not what Albert's situation was. Still similar, though. I mean, and, come and, on. And by the way, as far as what the Cardinals weren't hitting, they were playing the defending world champions of baseball, and Matt Adams started the third game of the season in left field. Does that make Mike Matheny a bad manager? Does that move in itself make him a bad manager? No, not one move in itself. So you're saying a collection of those moves make him a bad manager? A collection, yes. He is a bad tactical manager. And when you talk about how well, that's an opinion, and success is fact. Okay, but that's not even an argument, okay? Because, again, you have to say success is fact means that um, he gets credit for everything the Cardinals have done since he's shown up, which is ridiculous. I'm not saying he gets credit, but, I mean, y'all act like it, it's his fault when we lose every time. No, that's, see, no, that's that's not what I've ever said. It's not his fault when we lose all the time. A lot of people but do I it. want him to, but you're, you're talking to me here. You're not talking to a lot of people. Right, right. And, well, and when, Matt, when he puts Matt Adams out there, the job of a manager is to put his players in the best position to succeed so that his team wins the most games possible. And putting Matt Adams in left field for a team that was trying to contend for the playoffs is a terrible decision. I mean, he tried it. It didn't work. He and, moved and, on. It's and, not like he looked No, but he didn't even move on, if you recall. See, that's the other part of your statement. Mosaliak stood in, stepped <clears> in, <throat> and had to get him to stop playing Matt Adams in left field. And that's when Matt Adams basically disappeared from the roster. I mean, it's still just mind-boggling to me that we think that we know more than – than major league organizations about putting people i mean again they have more information than we do so they do they do but i want you to think about every single aspect in life i mean um you are like most people so you probably have either a negative opinion of donald trump and or barack obama right right uh the president has more information than we can possibly understand for the decisions that a president has to make Right, and yet we criticize a president. I'm not again. I'm not saying we should never criticize a manager. I'm just saying we need to we need to remember as we are criticizing. We need to remember that they have more information than we do. I mean, people are calling for his job. Like I mean, I know people are joking, but 
saying they want to get hit by a bus. I mean, come on, y'all. Like, no, getting hit by a bus is terrible. Okay. I mean, right. I know. I know. I'm just saying. I mean, I know it's a joke, but I'm still like, I mean, the dude's doing the best he can. He has more information than we do. He wants to win more than any of us. Like, come on. You know. He has more information, but all of the information that we have, all of the information that we have, makes his moves so bad so often that he must constantly have players with the flu that other managers don't have. No, every manager has to deal with this, that kind of stuff. Every manager does, absolutely. But he makes so <clears throat> many bad decisions that in order to justify all of the bad decisions, he must have all sorts of follies that other people don't have. I mean, again, a decision is an opinion. I mean, you can disagree. It's an opinion. I mean, I can disagree with, with decisions all the time, but in the end, that's an opinion. When okay. I look at wins and losses and his, and his win percentage, he has the highest win percentage of anybody in the MLB. He has to be doing, again, he Preston, has to be doing something. You're giving him credit for the wins. I'm not, I'm not giving him credit for you the wins. Are. That's the only way that argument works. The only he way that argument works is to say he was on a team that won 95 games, therefore he's good, which he is, is the same thing as he saying every person on the team that won 95 games, which is the same thing as saying Mike Matheny has went from 100 wins to 86 wins to 83 wins, so Preston thinks Mike Matheny is getting worse. No. No, so no, no, Preston, it's right there. These are facts. 100, 86, 83. Those are facts, Preston. I'm not giving LaRue, I'm not giving Matheny all of, or I'm not giving Matheny all of the credit. You're giving him all of the credit whenever it suits you to give him all the credit. Oh, I'm not saying he contributes to to the team's success, and he, he can he, A lot of times he contributes to the team's failure. I mean, it's a manager, it's the leader. Absolutely. Of the so then, why do you keep quoting the team's win totals? Because he has the highest win percentage of anybody in the major leagues. So that's, that is a juxtaposition for everything you just stated. He contributes to wins. He contributes to losses, so on and so forth. There are times when the team wins in spite of him. There are times when the team loses in spite of him. But his win percentage is not a reflection of a manager. I'll give you another example. Whitey Herzog in 1985 won over 100 games as a St. Louis Cardinals manager. Good job, Whitey Herzog. I'm giving Whitey Herzog all the credit for it. In 1986, they sucked, and they were basically a 500 team. Whitey should... Herzog must have been bad at managing all of a sudden. They won almost 20 games fewer, and he was terrible again. I think they might have been below 79-83. might have been below 500. 1987, why the Cardinals win the National League pennant once again. My, uh... He's once again one of the better managers in the league. 1988, they sink back down. So maybe Whitey Herzog forgot how to manage. Uh, it's not manager, how this works. A record bro, of the team is not how this works. They managers are judged by wins and losses. Okay, you might judge managers by wins and losses, but this is the entire point of getting away from this logic. Connie Mack was not a bad manager suddenly a year after winning 100 games. He lost his talent. Okay, hold on. I have, I have a quote here from LaRusso, one of Tony LaRusso's book. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, oh, okay, anyways, what, what, what were you saying about uh, Connie Mack? Were you saying about something about Connie Mack? Yeah, Connie Mack won almost 100 games in a 154-game season, and the next season yeah. his team won 45. If managers are judged by their wins and losses, you would be saying that Connie Mack was all of a sudden a terrible manager. I'm, but I'm not taking about one season. I'm taking. I'm using all six seasons. Okay, so I'll tell you Connie Mack's run as manager, if you would like that instead. 
do, 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 do. Here we go. Connie Mack in 1909 won 95 games, 102, 101, 90, 96, 99. That is a pretty darn good six-season stretch. Here's his next six seasons. 43, 36, 55, 52, 36. I don't even know if I named six. I can go on. 48, 53, 65, 69, 71. Sounds like Connie Mack spent yeah. a decade as a terrible manager. Again, again, one of my one of the things I think Matheny is really good at as leading a clubhouse, um, you know, having a chemistry. And this is in Tony LaRusse's book, Three Nights in August. Uh, this is it. Three Nights in August shows thrillingly that human nature, not statistics, can often dictate the outcome of a ball game. And I think I think that's one of the best things Matheny, you know, does is help people think right. Does he have good chemistry? And I mean, that's why I think he's such a good, such a good manager. You know. How do you know he does any of that? Uh, because I personally know um, Michael Walker, one of Michael Walker's uh, family members, and they said that he is highly um, respected, and uh, you know everybody respects him in the, in the clubhouse. So your your source for this is one of Michael Walker's family members telling you this. Yes. So if I have a source of one of the baseball players' family members telling me that Matheny is a screw-up, what does that do to you? Uh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, but my, my <laughs> quote isn't just about him. It's the whole clubhouse thinks that he's good. I mean, that's the quote. Does Tommy Pham? Uh, I don't know. I don't know Tommy Pham. <laughs> You've seen a lot of Tommy Pham's quotes. Criticizes Matheny a lot, doesn't he? Like what? Name one. Oh, okay. I'll have to search it. I mean, you really haven't seen these quotes, or you're just challenging me to say it? No, I mean, I, I really like. Okay, I mean, I I think I kind of remember some, but I I can't remember quote word for word off the top of my head. Okay, but you remember that he had negative yeah, quotes. People about, saying you know, Pam hates Matheny and all this crap. That's probably not true. But, no, but I'm saying you've you've read the quotes though. I remember seeing some quotes that people were saying this is why Pam hates Matheny and stuff like that. But so, but you you would agree that the quotes were negative. I, I, honestly, I don't remember the quotes. <laughs> okay. So let me go to uh, something slightly different here, which is one of your, your arguments. Yeah. Um, uh, well, here's what Pham said. Uh, some guys are more privileged than other guys in this industry, and sometimes it comes at the expense of winning. No matter what happens to me, I know I left everything out there. I'm proud of that, and people don't realize how refreshing it is to actually say that. Well, I mean... Okay, <laughs> that's his. That's Pham's opinion, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it's not Walker's family member's opinion, but it's Pham's opinion. I guess. Yeah, it's not, one person is in the clubhouse as a whole. Yeah, but we don't know that it's a whole, and we. I mean, you have no idea what is communicated out through family and whatever kind of media speak goes on for that sort of thing. But one of the things that you've constantly said is that people don't understand what it's like to be a manager. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you, you, I've seen you say that several times, so I just want to make sure that we're fair. Well, people, yeah, people don't know happen what's going, what's, what's like to be a manager. Yeah. Dude, I, I have to check on something because I hit record on the thing and I don't see it anymore and it's scaring me. Okay. And I hit record and now it's like, what the heck happened to it? Okay. I hope it's still going on. It shows that there was a file. It might have stopped at like 9.59 and been one of those cases. Okay. Oh, that sucks. So, hold on. So we don't have hardly anything? 
I have no idea what we have. It's, it says it's 40 megabytes, so. Um, but I think the last okay. 43 minutes may have been nothing. That doesn't make sense to me. I think I think that's the date it started. So I think we, we could be okay. So okay. I, I do want to get to this last point here. Um, I, I Otherwise, I'm extremely upset if it stopped on its own. We've been talking for 46 minutes, so the fact that it's 40 megabytes long gives me some hope. But uh, you, you yeah. say that, just to reiterate, to get back to it, uh, that people don't understand like what it's like to be a manager. Uh, now, you're yeah, 19. So what management, I mean, and I don't mean that in a, a critical way because, of yeah. course, 19-year-olds can know things. But often 19-year-olds don't have a whole lot of experience at the major league level. Uh, so so where does your knowledge of what it's like to be a manager come from? Um, I mean, it's more of just being a head coach. Um, you know, my, my dad is actually a head college basketball coach. Uh, he's been coaching for almost 40 years. So that's kind of that's kind of how um, I have kind of understanding of what a coach, you know, what a head coach kind of goes through and okay. uh, what they have to deal with. So that's that's pretty cool. So but it's a head coach, and now we're talking about basketball. So is yeah. he, what is he like? Uh, NCAA's Division One, Division Two, Division Two. Okay. Yeah. Hold on, I think I can look him up here. <laughs> um. I'm not going to say this right at all. I've never heard of this. Awachita? Yeah, Wachita. Wachita. That makes a lot more yeah. sense. Wachita Baptist University, right. head women's basketball coach. Okay. Correct. So yeah. how much do you think what he does compares to what a major league manager does? Um, I mean, coaching is coaching. Okay. It's, a, it's being a head coach, you know, psychologically. I mean, there's a lot of similarities with, you know, just players like Recently, um, you know, he had, he had, I mean, he's, he's dealing with psychological stuff all the time with players, you know what I mean? It's just part of, the, part of coaching. Okay, so then I want to extend this out more because uh, you're not a coach, but you've learned from your dad, which is, a, I mean, lots of, like, I've like, learned a lot of things from my dad, but you're not a coach. Your, your, your dad, your dad, right? I got that right. Yeah, my dad. Yep. Your dad is a coach of a, a women's basketball team, uh, Division II, Wachita. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, therefore, I think you would say that um, certainly if there was a baseball coach, Division Two, then mm -hmm. then they would have that knowledge just to get it back over to the right sport. What right. if they were a high school baseball coach? Yeah, psychologically, yeah, same, a lot of, a lot of similarities. Middle school? Uh, middle school, yeah, similarities, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, Little League? Uh, no, nah, not, not as much Little League. I mean, so you don't, you don't, don't think like, a Little League like, coach would necessarily have the the correct baseball acumen to know how to lead a team? I mean, I don't really know. I mean, it's Little League. I mean, you know, just, I mean, everybody plays in Little League, you know. Like, there's, it's not like, it's not like you have to try out or, I mean, you can, sure, I mean, everybody gets to play in Little League. No one gets cut. Yeah, you realize that was Mike Matheny's full <clears throat> managerial experience before he came on board. Yeah. Uh, Mike Matheny also played in the major leagues. Uh, yes, yes, he did. Does that mean that every player that plays in the major leagues would then be a good manager? No, but I think every player that played in the major league knows more than me and you. Every player that played in the major, you, you, you think Jose Canseco would be a better manager? I think, I think most of them, most of them would have more experience and be a better manager than you and I would. Okay, all right. So that's interesting. Um, you're, you're very much into appeal to authority, which is very. Uh, disturbing, honestly, because I'm not saying that I would be a great manager in any way. Uh, I am saying that by somebody who, who makes the major leagues completely on talent and then burns out or does whatever, 
that some people who have even been manager have been terrible managers. It's just a fact of life. It's right. just – and I'm saying that there is no way in hell the top 30 managers in baseball are currently managing major league teams. There's no way that there aren't actually better, smarter people out there in a world of billions of people that Major League Baseball happens to have the top 30. Right. There's not. There are, there are people that could have been Major League athletes that for whatever reason didn't go there. So Major League Baseball itself does not have the, the 1,000 best players in there uh, that, are, that are possible. Because, and that's why we find people from uh, Japanese leagues to come over like the Cardinals just did with, with a player. This is, it's just not how it works in an appeal to authority. In the same manner that you can once again go back to the presidency and say there's no way that other laypersons couldn't do better than some of our worst presidents. Now, lots of laypersons are certainly going to screw it up, but there are a lot of political right. experts out there that study these political systems and have a greater understanding than many of our presidents and, frankly, a huge percentage of our just basic representatives. Yeah. Lots of those people are, they, they don't, they, they can play the game, but that doesn't mean they understand the constitution mm. or, or, or the procedures or, or what, what have you that, that goes on with this. So, Again, you know, I, I feel like, I mean, to say Matheny isn't qualified or just cause he's managed little league, but they like hired him and he's been a very good GM. So, I mean, I, I trust Mo on that one and, you know, the DeWitts. I know a lot of people can't stand him either for some reason, which yeah. makes no sense to me. But anyways, um, you know, you, you base a lot of your uh, – I don't know if you're a big analytics guy and both a lot on stats and stuff, you know. And, I mean, I, I'm more of the psychological side. And, you know, Tony LaRusso in his book, uh, Three Nights in August, had a quote. Um, I'll pick it up right here. For all his intellectual attainments, he's also an antidote to the number-crunching mentality that has become so modest in baseball. As this book proves, he's built his success on the conviction that ball games are won not only by the numbers but also by the hearts and minds of those who play. So I just feel like I just feel like you know that's that's a bigger part of it than you know stats and numbers and all these analytics that are so big in baseball today. You know. See, but if that were true, then the right manager could make any player a star. So Larusa is wrong for saying that. You're saying Tony Larusa is wrong. I am saying that a manager can. Uh, can make a player slightly better or slightly worse, per perhaps. Uh, I think that right. Mike Matheny has, is, when I hear him talk about scouting reports, I think he does a great job of, say, recognizing, uh, hey, your slider's flat today and stuff like that. Hey, he was, he was a spectacular defensive catcher. There's, there's uh, no doubt in my mind that he's very good at recognizing pitchers and, and things like that. However, yeah. uh, I don't think that a, the psychological uh, put it this way Barry Bonds was going to be a very good baseball player no matter who his manager was he was yeah. going to be okay. a star no he's matter who his manager was say what? Yeah. I mean, he's one of the greatest players of all time yeah but uh, this is what I'm saying I'm saying if, if you replaced Mike Matheny with Jose Okendo this year okay if you, if you did that Carlos Martinez isn't suddenly because of that move going to be a two ERA person and he's not suddenly going to be a six ERA person. He is Carlos Martinez. How do you, how do you know that? Uh, because managers get replaced all the time and that does not happen. But you don't know the difference between Matheny and Okendo. Okay. But managers get replaced all the time to the history of baseball and entire teams of players have not suddenly become stars and they have not suddenly collapsed. 
Uh, I mean, yeah, but I mean, again, you don't know. I mean, the the difference between a one manager and another can be very drastic. I mean, but but that what have, the Red Sox do? We have over a hundred years of data in baseball where that would show up. What that did the Red Sox do show up? about in 2012? Say what? The Red Sox in 2012 hired Bobby Valentine. They finished in last place. Okay. Yes, the Red Sox hired Bobby Valentine in 2012 and finished in last place. That's just one example. I mean, but you attribute that all to to Bobby Valentine in 2012. No, I don't attribute it all to Bobby Valentine. No. But that's that's what you're trying to argue. No, I'm saying I'm saying managers make a big difference. <sighs> okay, then we would have to go back to the fact that what what is this team without Mike Matheny? What is this team with an average manager? They won 83 games last year. Without Mike Matheny, they win what? I don't know, but there wasn't much very much talent on this team. They had I mean, you probably don't like batting errors, but they had two lifetime 280 hitters going into this season. Matt, Matt Carpenter and Yadier Molina. Do you, do you understand why people don't like batting average? Uh, yeah, because it doesn't. I mean, they like OPS more, which I can see why. Yeah. No, but but I mean, why the flaws with batting average itself? I mean, it doesn't show how much you get on base. It shows what percentage of the time you get a hit. It doesn't show. Uh, it doesn't show necessarily extra base power. Uh, it doesn't take into context at bats or splits against lefties and righties. It doesn't take into account what stadium you're playing in. Are you in Colorado? Are you in Fenway? Are you in uh, in Bush, which is more of a pitcher stadium? Uh, it's it furthermore doesn't take in luck into account. Did you hit a hundred and four mile an hour screamer at the shortstop that he caught, or did you hit a dribbler down the first base line that was just in the right place and can't really be credited to you and also it's hey we're going to give you a hit in an at bat well what's a hit a hit is what a scorer judges it so if a center fielder runs and tracks down a fly ball and it and makes a miraculous catch that's an out you failed if he runs and and it bounces out of his glove but he he made a great effort the official scorer might call that an error and now it is not a hit it is actually even though you hit the ball well, even though you did your job, it's no longer a hit. So you're saying what is that stat? A useless stat. I'm not saying it is a useless stat. I'm saying that judging a hitter by its batting, their batting average right. is taking right. an extremely small slice that can't be uh, viewed without much bigger context. I agree. I agree, but I think it means something. And to say that we only had two, well, we had, actually Diaz was hitting 280 at the start of the season too. But I mean, he was only. I mean, he was a rookie last year, so we had two proven hitters that were 280 career hitters going into this year. I mean, that's not very good. If, I mean, it means something, at least. I think. Just, Do you know how good our offense was this year? Uh, no, give me the numbers. Uh, I, you know, Viva actually just did a tweet about it. I believe the OPS without pitchers, the OPS plus, yeah. Uh, was yeah. 105. I think that was like fifth or sixth in baseball, mm-hmm. something like that. It, it was actually it was probably a little bit lower. We'll call it a little bit lower than fifth or sixth. But uh, for those two 280 hitters, um, the Cardinals' offense was actually pretty spot on this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. And putting uh, Matt Molina fifth actually looked uh, pretty good from from a thing he didn't. No, no. Of course, I, I, that is a terrible strategy to bet. Molina fifth, and I know that you're a supporter of this. Uh, Molina has been surprisingly good. He has been so a surprise for a 34 year old catcher to still put up league average numbers. Uh, you know, 
props to Yadier Molina. But what you're saying for Yadier Molina is you're going to put one of your slowest runners behind all of your on-base guys, uh, someone who hits into a lot of double plays like Molina does. Molina doesn't get on base. His on-base percentage last year was 312. And uh, he doesn't have uh, – he, he did hit 18 home runs in the year of the home run. But his 439 slugging percentage, look at where that ranks on the team. It's behind Matt Carpenter, behind – Paul DeYoung, behind Jed Jerko, behind Tommy Pham, behind Dexter Fowler, behind Randall Gritchick, behind Jose Martinez, uh, behind Luke Voigt. You can go on and on. With, it's, it was what were his stats with runners in scoring position? Okay, so that's good. Let's discuss what his stats were with runners in scoring position. Uh, he, uh, let's, I'll pull them up real quick. Actually, next Actually, for his career, he has a uh, 408 slugging percentage, 779 OPS, 304 batting average. Um, with runners in scoring position. I mean, I think, I mean, 304 batting, I mean, scoring position, you want to get a hit. So 304 batting average is pretty good. Well, you, you want to not make an out. And yes, right. that's his career, but he's 34. So attributing what Yadier Molina did in 2012 to 2017, in 2012, he may have made a fine number five hitter in that lineup. But it's 2017. So... I'm looking for his, his specific uh, runners in scoring position. Uh, he had an 814 OPS. Let, let me ask you something. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty why, good. Why did, it is pretty. Uh, that is good. Why why didn't he hit that well without runners on base? <sighs> Who knows? Might be a psychological thing. I see. So runners in scoring position, he all of a sudden knows how to hit better. Uh, he might get pitched differently. Um, I mean – but we can look that up if he got pitched differently. Um, go ahead. I mean, I don't know. I, I really think. I mean, I don't know why he had better stuff. Why did Why does Jung Ho Gong hit 500 in the ninth inning? I don't know. You You don't believe in in randomness. Uh, I, I, you don't believe in in statistical. I think over 24 uh, at bats. That's a pretty good sample size to see. No, that's a terrible sample size. It's like nothing. With runners in scoring position, I mean, I mean, when you look at his whole career, he's 304. This year, he's 315. I think that's, I mean, gives me a general idea of what kind of theory is with runners in scoring position. Um, okay, but it's it's a batting average, and it's his career. And Yadier Molina is not nearly the same player that he used to be. Okay, but he had a higher batting average this year than he has his whole career. So do you? Th- so what was it last year? What was it in 2016 when he was hitting high in the order? I'm just saying. I mean, when you you say he might not be the same player, but he had close to the same batting average. Okay, in a specific small sample size. Three oh eight in twenty sixteen. He's just a good hitter with runners in scoring position. That's just he is. Can we not agree on that? Well, a three oh eight batting average is very good. He's very good at making contact, and that's going to get you a high BABIP. But his is, for example, his OPS in two thousand sixteen was eight twelve, and you and it's actually his on base percentage was very good with runners in scoring position at that point. Uh, but you want more power than a four twenty three slugging percentage. In the middle of your lineup during offensive boom. Hey, who else are you going to hit there besides Molina uh, last year? I would have hit. Uh, so lineups are difficult to state because, for example, if you have Matt Carpenter leading off, then I don't want the pitcher batting ninth. Well, I want has, in front of him. Assuming, so yeah, assuming is, he has to lead off. Assuming Carpenter has to lead off. So if if 
if you're looking at the 2017 <clears throat> Cardinals yeah. on yeah. here, hold on, let me get to them. Um, I'm in, I'm in deep in Yachty stats. <laughs> um, if I'm going with the, the starters here, just based upon what they did, you obviously, I mean, you wouldn't have Steven Piscotty starting on this team, but he would be at, he would be at the bottom of it, and then you would have Yachty or Molina seventh. So you hit and that means, Yachty seventh. That means that fifth uh, could be uh, Fowler, could be Jed Jerko, could be Colton Wong. They, all of them yeah. would yeah. be better options than Yachty or Molina in that spot. Uh, so you, you think Wong would be a better option than Molina <clears throat> in fifth? fifth spot? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I just got to disagree on that one because, I mean, Molina is such a good hitter with runners in scoring position. I, just, I think it's a good, good spot for him to hit with this lineup, you know. Um, Car- uh, for Fowler, I like, I mean, he I mean, he looked pretty good back and forth for a little while. Um, he, he, was, he was supposed to hit leadoff. I mean, and, I mean, another psychological thing. Could have been with that, but. It, it could have been another psychological thing, but of course he did extremely good when he wasn't in leadoff, was it? Yeah. yeah. You, you attribute so many things to psychological things, but there's nothing that shows that they are psychological. There's nothing things. that shows nothing. that it's. I mean, <laughs> but but it's, it's it's arguing a negative. It's arguing a negative. So do you think? Uh, that... By the way, uh, Colton Wong's numbers with runners in scoring position last year: Better. 424 on base percentage, 831 OPS overall. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. I don't know. You have to ask Matheny or Matheny on that one. So, uh, what we were talking about earlier, because this has been about an hour, and I, I do want to uh, be able to wrap it up, right. is right. uh, it, going back to, like, uh, when you're arguing about they, they know more, they have more situations. Yeah. But yeah. you also think that managers be, make bad moves, don't you? Yeah. You yeah. got the Waka move, for example. Right, yeah, I, don't, I disagree yeah. with that move. Yeah. But, but, but what if Matheny knew something else? He could. <laughs> I mean, he, he could have known something else. Then how can you say that he made a bad move? I, 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 again, I'll say it again. Um, I can disagree with the move, but we have to always remember that the manager has more information than us. We have to be mindful of that. So, so in other words, you can't call a manager just horrible, just a terrible manager for making a couple bad moves that you disagree with. I mean, you, you, have, you have to keep in mind that he has more information than you do. Let me tell you what I feel like I can do because I feel like when I go to Wendy's, the person inside the fast food window has more information about what's going on in that kitchen than I do. And when they take me 10 minutes to get my burger, perhaps they were held at night point and 10 minutes was actually pretty good and that was good service. Perhaps I don't know everything that's going on, but I still criticize them for being slow. Okay. For a manager, I will criticize or I will compliment based upon all the information I know until I get information that changes something. And that is what we do for everybody in life ever. And sports coaches don't need to be immune to that. We can criticize presidents all we want based upon the information we have at the time. We can criticize managers based upon the information that we have at the time. I once complimented Matheny based upon information I had at the time, and then I had to retract it mm-hmm. when I found out additional information later. I was at the game where Lednis Diaz had his first career home run. He pinched hit for Matt Adams in uh, what was at that point a close game against the Braves. Yeah. And I couldn't believe that, that Mike Matheny actually pinch hit uh, there was a left-hander on the mound, pinch hit, Alednis Diaz for Matt Adams, and then Diaz took the home run deep. And I wrote on Twitter, I believe, something along the lines of, thank you, Mike Matheny. And I found out later that it was actually David Bell's decision. Now, <laughs> credit to Mike Matheny for listening to David Bell, but the point being that 
what I had hoped was Mike Matheny actually realizing it was better for Lednus Diaz to hit there um, than, than Matt Adams was actually just him being convinced by another coach. So I had to reassess my opinions uh, once that yeah, came. Yeah, but, you know, this part of really being a good manager is asking your coaches, you know, for, for opinions. You don't want to just have a bunch of yes men over there. You know, I, I, like I said, I give them credit for listening. Yeah, I give yeah, them credit for yeah, listening. Right, but right. the actual decision and all that kind of stuff, I was giving them credit for in the beginning. Uh, and that did not happen. In the end, in the uh, end, it was Matheny's decision, though, because David Bell didn't tell Diaz to go get a bat and pinch hit. No, I give him credit for listening to David Bell, but I would have liked Mike Matheny to be able to think himself that the right-hander with pop is better than Matt Adams against any lefty. That's, that's why you have assistant coaches. Say what? I mean, that's why, I mean, that's why you have assistant coaches. Well, I, I, agree. I mean, so, I mean, you know, you, you, you need other you, opinions. You want people to give you alternate thoughts, and you want people to be thinking more in depth about things than than you are when you're paying attention to the game, and someone else is able to think uh, more in depth on that. But the thing about managing is, is that they might have more information than us, and it's absolutely true. But when you hit your pitcher leadoff, it's a bad decision, unless your pitcher, I guess, is Otani. Or Babe Ruth back in the day. But in general, when you hit your pitcher leadoff, it's a bad decision. And there's not additional information that is going to all of a sudden tell us how great this pitcher is at hitting. You know, Lancelin hitting leadoff would always be a disaster. It would always be a disaster. And your team would do a lot worse giving all of those at-bats to, to a starting pitcher. And this is the sort of thing that, uh, like, you can always say, you can always have the argument that, you don't know, space aliens might have been involved, and that's why this move had to be made in a certain way, and it's not Mike Matheny's fault. But, Preston, you don't know either what's going on. And well, I'm not the one, judging, well, I'm not the one uh, you know, criticizing all the time. <laughs> well, that, that, but that's the, the point is that judging purely based upon the information at hand, you have to make the call in that way. That's it. That's all we can do. Fair enough. Now, you can you can remember the call for his job when you don't know the whole story. <laughs> but okay, but people do this with everybody in every occupation all the time, right? I mean, I mean, right? They still need. I, I don't I don't know which one you you didn't support between between Trump or o, Obama, but yeah. but yeah. give me a break. You've never wished that one of those was no longer president. Uh yeah, uh, I, have. Yeah, I have. Right. And there's leagues, legions beyond more that you can understand that 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 they know that you don't know about the information that's in there. Mm. We we don't need to be giving sports coaches, and I understand that your dad is one, but they, we don't need to be putting them up on this altar or this pedestal. We all go to work, and we I, look. I'm a boss myself, and we all have bosses, and we all criticize our bosses, and those bosses always have information that we don't have in our specific position. But we need to. But we are still making calls based upon the information that we have. And just because a boss or a manager or a president feels differently doesn't mean we're wrong. I mean, in the end, you know, I want my country to be successful. I want my team to be successful. And I feel like, as far as my team goes, they're definitely uh, they've definitely been successful as with Nathaniel's manager. That's just how I feel. Sure. Sure, and, and, and you know what? Uh, since, since Obama became president and right into Donald Trump, there are lots of different things. Uh, the, the Dow, for example, surged under Obama, and it has surged under Trump yep. Yep. just as much. And that is, that is one small sign of success for the country. Yeah, definitely. definitely. And, and, and the Dow has nothing to do with either one of them as president. <laughs> um, kind of like 
the manager's whims have nothing to do with how smart my okay. team is. So uh, basically, will you, you say that managers matter on player motivation? Uh, yeah, they can, sure. Okay, all right, well, there you go. Uh, I think they do too. I think they have a big effect on it. I, I, we don't know the effect, so you can you think they have a big effect. That's great. Exactly. Uh, we don't know the effect, so you can't you can't criticize accordingly. I can criticize just as much as you can defend. Well, I'm, don't uh, know is you're right. You're not right. knowing is not knowing. You're right. You can criticize as much as I can defend, but I'm not the one openly defending. Y'all are criticizing, causing me to defend. <laughs> I'm not causing you to. We're not causing you to defend. This isn't a call I mean, to arms. This is your choice. That's why I defend. And that's why I defend because y'all criticize. And I think it's I mean unfair to be honest. But just, okay. Yeah. I and I know you do. And you know what? I appreciate you talking to me and, and talking to me for so long. Uh, I uh, a lot of other people wouldn't. And I enjoyed this talk. Yeah. And I uh, I will enjoy. Uh, you know, probably ten people will listen to it, but I'll enjoy getting uh, any feedback on it. Uh, I, I appreciate it, Preston, and I hope I honestly hope this because I think it's more interesting to talk with people that I disagree with than people I agree with. Right. I hope we have some sort of classic fight in a few months, <laughs> and then we get to do this again. Now that I have the recording set up, we can get on on that night and discuss it all right there away. We go. So uh, I'm excited for that. But one thing, of course. Uh, which is the the great thing about sports, uh, and I and I honestly don't think you can always say this about the country and the other things we've discussed. The great thing about sports is um, anytime a cardinal gets a hit, anytime a, a cardinal uh, pitcher records an out, both you and I are going to be cheering on the team. There you go. That's right. That's and, right. And that's that's an exciting thing. That's awesome. Thank that's you awesome. very much, Preston. Yeah. Um, appreciate it. Thanks for having I, me. I, I really do want more of your thoughts. Uh, uh, as as things go on, right. Uh, right. and uh, I I want to continue to crush your logic. <laughs> All right, sounds good, man. Appreciate it. Hey, right. go Corn. Have a good night.